You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For all things, for all things KC, for everything Chiefs, it's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Nick Short. Did you see the picture of the coaches at the annual NFL meetings this week? Andy is forever and will always be my favorite. Just squished in there. Who was he sitting next to? Belichick and... Uh, I don't know who's on his Ron right. Rivera, I think. Is that right? Yeah. But you know what's funny is, at <laughs> least from the guys in the front row, Andy and Belichick are the only ones wearing shorts, which is totally like an earned status. Like if you've been in the NFL for two decades, then you can start wearing shorts to these official meetings. <laughs> Otherwise, everybody, everybody's got to hide the legs. And Andy looks so uncomfortable too. Like he's got the, the shoulders kind of like, you know, like a They're big squished in there like sardines. These are not small men. Well, especially him. <laughs> he looks very squished and uncomfortable. I felt bad for him in that picture. What a doll. He wasn't. Was he wearing a Hawaiian shirt? It wasn't as flamboyant as they usually are. I couldn't tell. I mean, it was a short sleeve button up. I'll tell you that. So he's just living. My dad I, has those same slip on shoes. Oh, I thought you were going to say your dad has a lot of Tommy Bahamas shirts. Well, that too, actually. <laughs> That's a rite of passage. I'm not quite there yet, but give me about another 10 years. No, the 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 Tommy Bahama short oh. sleeve button up, you know, just real loose fitting. Give me about eight more years and I'll be there. Okay. We'll I'm ready, though. I just want to let the world know I'm ready to make the transition. That is that is a I feel like it's a badge of honor, those Hawaiian shirts. You should wear them proudly. Yeah, but you have to be a certain age. You have to give up a certain vibe. You have to give off. Do you have to have children? I don't know if you have to have children, but I think it's the same thing with, you know, the the all white New Balance sneakers. Like, I'm not old enough to wear those quite yet. With the with the white crew socks, the white tube crew socks. I'm not quite there yet. (laughs) I don't know if you ever be. I don't I don't. mm. I hope so. I hope so. Someday. If I'm not there someday, something has gone wrong. Be better than the gap. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you go to my dad's garage right now, he has three pairs of the exact same identical white New Balance shoes. Like one of them is for Stop. mowing. Yeah, one of them is specifically for yard work. One of them is for like going out and doing things. I don't know what the third pair is for. In case, you know, like an emergency <laughs> pair in case something happens to one of the first two. I mean, that's that's next level dadding. My dad has never owned New Balance shoes. Really? I and guess he didn't a, get the memo. And he's a Midwestern dad. Yeah, as well. it's like you would think he would have them. Wait he's, a minute. Is your, dad, like, is your dad hip though? I mean, we try to keep him up to date. 
in oh, the see, wardrobe department. It's you. It's you. It's you and, and the other women in your family. You guys are not letting him get to that point. <laughs> so either you, you know what? You're either you're either keeping him on the right side of fashion or you know, half glass empty, glass half empty. <laughs> you're you're keeping him from reaching his full dad potential. So <laughs> I want to examine that. He takes care of that in other ways. Okay. Um, but no, yeah, he's always rocked like Nike or Adidas. I don't think we've ever wow. seen New Balance in the mix. Good for him, man. Also, when it comes to gift giving for Christmas and stuff, I give my family what I want them to have, not what they ask for. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm familiar with that. I'm familiar with that concept. Every time, every time I get a gift from my sister or my mom, I'm like, are you trying to tell me something here? Because I didn't ask for this. Like here, I know you would love this because I love it for you. <laughs> first things first. Are the Chiefs broke? With that said, Kansas City officially has about 5.6 million in cap space for 2023. Is this a concern? I think it is. Yeah, they're they're broke. They're gonna need a loan. Um, they're <laughs> broke in the sense that you know uh, this billion dollar company with billions of dollars of assets just doesn't have a ton of petty cash lying around. They could sell some things off and get some money pretty quickly. The Chiefs are doing what good teams do, Kayla, which is, hey, we're a great team. We're competing for Super Bowls every year. We have really good players, so we're not going to keep a ton of cash around. We're going to use that money. And I think at least at this point in the Patrick Mahomes era of the Chiefs, Brett Veach is going to operate on a, on a, a paycheck-to-paycheck basis, so to speak, which I think at least in this industry, we've all been there. Most people have been there. Certainly in this business, we've all been in the uh, the paycheck-to-paycheck mode of whatever I have, I'm spending because I need to use it right now. That is Brett Veach as the GM of the Chiefs. Now, the flip side is they are going to probably clear up some cap space. I mean, they can if they want to sign Odell Beckham Jr. or mm -hmm. if they want to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. They have several options to make more money. The easiest one, and we've talked about this, is restructuring Chris Jones's contract, giving him an extension, right? That's basically what you're trying to do. And teams do this all the time, and they backload these deals. So if you sign them to a three-year deal or a four-year deal, the cap hit next year in what would be the first year of that new deal would likely be a lot less than it currently is. So you could probably save, you know, let's say, let's just throw a number out there, $15 million by extending Chris Jones, which sounds kind of backwards when you're giving a guy more money, but the way they structure these deals, that's why they do it like that. So you can continue to do this and it's Chris Jones this year, but then next year, It'll be a different player, whether that's uh, Legereus Sneed or Joe Tooney or Creed Humphrey or Trey Smith or Nick Bolton. There are a lot of guys who are going to be getting new deals over the coming years. And when they do that, the Chiefs will then, in the moment, give themselves more money to play with that offseason. So 5.6 doesn't seem like much. And, and honestly, it's even less than that when you think about draft picks. You're going to have to sign. You have what 10 draft mm -hmm. picks right now. Let's say you don't stick with nine. Let's say you stick with, let's say you trade one and you get, or 10. You, let's say you get nine draft picks or eight draft picks. You're going to have to 
pay anywhere from two to three million dollars to sign all of those guys. So that 5.6 is closer to 3.6 or 3.5 or $3 million. So it's, you really don't like right this second, you don't really have much money to, to play with or to hand out for any free agents or guys you want to trade for right now. But if they feel like there is a deal in the works, that's when all of a sudden it wouldn't be shocking to see them announce that they have restructured somebody else's contract. That will be the dead giveaway that maybe they're planning for a little more. Does this surprise you based on what we always talk about Brett Veach being so good with the numbers, so good with the cap space? Does it surprise you that we're kind of in this situation? No, because I think wouldn't it would be more troubling if you had all this extra money lying around. Well, I That's guess it wouldn't true. be troubling. You're coming off a Super Bowl win, so nobody would really be criticizing you. I mean, think about it. We you've got the four biggest deals currently on the roster. Our Patrick Mahomes, obviously, Jawan Taylor, who you just signed, Chris Jones, whose contract is almost up, Travis Kelsey, who is probably the best bargain in the NFL. By the way, we we should maybe talk about that. Like the fact that they are still paying this guy, like if he were a wide receiver, Travis Kelsey would maybe be a top 20 paid wide receiver in the NFL, despite the fact that he is the most productive pass catcher in the league. <laughs> the biggest wide receiver. It's the biggest steal in the league. The fact that you get to pay this guy chump change compared to what he's giving you in return. And that's just a product of being a tight end. And then uh, Joe Tooney. Those are the only five contracts that you really have that are big swings, that are big financial investments. And I barely qualify Travis Kelsey as a big swing just because of how good of a value he is. So you've got these five big contracts and the rest of your roster is just filled in with, you know, sort of stopgap veterans like Justin Reed or Marquez Valdez Scantling. And then like everyone else is on a rookie deal. I mean, think about all the guys not just the rookies from last year, but all the guys who started or were major contributors that are still on their rookie contracts. It's most of the roster. And that's a really, really good place to be in. Now, you know, over the next two, three years, you're going to have to make decisions on a lot of those guys. But right now, financially, it's a great spot to be in. And it lets you maybe get a little bit more flexible with some of those bigger deals that you're handing out. So... I'm not really worried because if they decide, if, if Odell Beckham Jr. decides tomorrow, I want to be a chief, or if DeAndre Hopkins decides tomorrow, I want to be a chief, and the Chiefs want to trade for him and pay him $18, 19000000 million over the next couple of years, they can do it real quickly with the flick of a pen, give Chris Jones a new contract, which I'm sure they're ready to do, and I'm sure they want to do, but timing, I think, is the big thing here. You know, if they would have extended Chris Jones a month ago, we'd be having a lot different conversation because that number, that $5.6 million, would be a lot bigger. Since you brought up Kelsey, and sorry, I'm putting you on the spot here. Um, how does how does his contract compare to what Gronk's used to be back in his heyday? Mm. Or do we know? That's a great question, and I'm going to... Because that's the last tight end that was really this big of a deal. 
Yeah, well, the Patriots were always kind of weird because they seemingly got everybody to take discounts. Um, okay, so let's look at the last, the last big contract that he signed with uh, the Patriots. It was a six-year, $54 million deal. So what's the math on that? $9 million a year? Are you kidding me? That's nothing. And what's tra- what's Kelsey's? <laughs> I'm just first, I'm just floored by the fact that Gronk was making $9 million a year for what he was doing for the Patriots. $13 million guaranteed. <gasps> 13 million guaranteed over the life of contract. You know, he got he saw he 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 earned 50 million of that 54. So the Patriots gave him 50 million over six years. That's pretty good money. Um let's see here. Travis Kelsey is his cap number in 2023 is gonna be almost 15 million dollars. Per year. That'll be, be about the same in 2024. And then in 2025, if they don't restructure his deal, he'll make uh, almost $20 million. Okay. So that's good. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's good, but I mean, you're talking about a guy who is the most productive pass catcher in the NFL. And you have, like, he's not making as much money as Christian Kirk. That's crazy. I mean, think about, okay. So, if his cap number, so let's say, so Travis Kelsey's making about $16, $17 million a year. So if he were a wide receiver, which we see how the Chiefs use him, like we know he is, that would put him around the same range as Christian Kirk, Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson, Hunter Renfro. What? How about that? Hunter oh Renfro. Oh my gosh. Hunter Renfro is making uh, $15,800 per year. Well, that's shocking. (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, it's just, it's. It's shocking that he's making the same as those guys. Well, it's just, it's so archaic the way that the NFL pays certain positions. The way that they're like, well, you're tight end. So tight ends only make X amount of dollars. He's like, yeah, but look at what I do. Yeah. It should be based on talent and productivity. And the thing is, it's not up to him to play hardball. Mm-hmm. Like it's up to the NFLPA. The same thing's kind of going on with running backs right now. Like nobody wants to pay running backs because about three years ago, Christian McCaffrey got a big deal. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott got a big deal. Todd Gurley got the, everybody was handing out these massive contracts to these running backs. And Todd Gurley got injured like the next year. Zeke Elliott fell off a cliff. And so they just kind of realize like, hey, these dudes are usually about three or four years in and then they start getting injured and then they're never the same players. I don't care that you had 20 touchdowns and 1,300 yards last year. Your body can't withstand what happens in an NFL game, so I'm not going to pay you like that. And that's why you've got all these guys out there now, like Austin Eckler, who scored like 40 touchdowns over the last two seasons, wants a new contract and the Chargers don't want to give it to him. Like he's earned a new deal, but he's a running back. So they're not going to pay him. And it's up to the NFLPA and the owners to get together and say like, okay, we're going to, 
have to change how we structure these deals. We're going to have to change how we compensate these guys because it's not fair. Like if I'm Travis Kelsey, I'm going to get to the end of my career and be like, man, if my, if it just said WR in front of my name instead of TE, I would have made 20 to 30 more million dollars across the course of my career. Wow. Which is insane. Insane when we're talking about maybe the best tight end to ever play the game. Who could also be a wide receiver. <laughs> if, I mean, seriously, if you watch him play, how often do you see him lined up outside all the freaking time? And guess what? Teams still can't stop him. So it's just silly. It's just silly how labels can affect how much money you make like that. Silliness. It's all a bunch of silliness. Mm -hmm. Something that wasn't silly last year's rookie class for the chiefs. Uh, they were absolutely spectacular. So Nick looking to next season, which second year player do you expect to take the biggest leap? Hmm. God, there's a lot of good options there, aren't there? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, the one that I'm going to go off the board a little bit here, because I think there's two really easy answers. Yeah. But I'm going to go off the board, and I think I might be in the minority a little bit with this. I'm really excited to see what Sky Moore does next year. I know I, I kind of teased this last week when we were talking about the Chiefs' plan at wide receiver, but I'm just, and, and maybe I, I think you know what it is. I think I'm just emboldened by the fact that everybody else, a lot of other people are like ready to close the book on Sky Moore. And so that makes me want to puff my chest out a little bit and say, no, not yet. Like, give me another year. It, we we demand instant gratification now. Like we need to see that you're good right away. Otherwise, you suck. You're a bust. Uh, they never should have drafted you. They should have drafted this guy and that guy. And I think people are a little scorned. I think people feel like this is maybe the one position that Brett Veach has not been able to crack in the draft, which is also kind of silly. Like the biggest asset he's ever spent on a wide receiver was Nicole Hardman who you got four years out of. It's not like yeah. the guy, it's not like McCole Hardman was unplayable and he just stunk. He just didn't end up becoming the dude you thought you were getting. All right. Like if you want to, if you want to label him a bust, that's fine, but it's not, it's not as though he just completely whiffed on it. And I think people were ready to write off Sky Moore as soon as he didn't look the part. But you know, I wonder what we would be saying about Sky if, it weren't for the special teams blunders. Like if he didn't have, I think it was three fumbles on special teams this year. And we all agreed they never should have had him out there to begin with. He had never returned punts in college. Mm -hmm. They tried to find a way to get this guy playing time. It didn't work. He didn't take to the, to the role naturally, but they kept throwing him out there and he kept messing up if they wouldn't have put him out there at all and he wouldn't have made those mistakes, a couple of which I think cost the Chiefs games in the regular season, would would we still be talking about him the same way? Or would we have just said, hey, he was a rookie, it was a learning curve, you know, maybe he'll get more of a role in year two. 
I'm not going to fault him for messing up in a role that he had never done before. I don't think that's necessarily fair. Also, when you get a touchdown in your rookie season in the Super Bowl, your first touchdown, like, I'll forget about the mistakes. <laughs> well, you know, I think people expected him to just play more. I think it's people expected him to just play a bigger role in year one. And I understand why, because you spent a second round pick on the guy and it was a position of need and you didn't have this super deep, talented room. I want to find out. I'm gonna, I want to find his snap counts. Uh, he played 30% of offensive snaps. The 313 snaps for the Chiefs this year. I mean, he was effectively your fourth receiver. And then McColl Which looking was at who he was behind, that I feel like that makes sense. Well, and you think about what the Chiefs do, okay? Context matters here. The Chiefs in 2022, they were coming off a season where defenses had really found an answer to what they were doing offensively. We saw it in that AFC Championship game loss to the Bengals, where they just kept daring you to throw it deep. And Mahomes in the second half got impatient, started throwing it deep. That's when the Bengals got themselves back in the game. So the Chiefs sort of recalibrated, and they said, okay, we're going to do everything over the middle. We're going to do everything underneath. And Mahomes is going to become a tactician. He is no longer going to be just chucking it, you know, dropping back and chucking it 60 yards downfield and showing off how strong his arm is. He is going to do the stuff that all the great quarterbacks over the history of football have done, which is be able to drop back and just pick you apart. Where's the open guy? Find him. Boom. Pick up the chains first down over and over and over again. And I don't think a lot of people expected him to be able to make that transition. And he did. Mm -hmm. So when you do that, you're playing a bunch of guys who need to be on the same page with the quarterback. They need to know, Hey, it's three steps and then in. Like, that was the big thing with Tom Brady. It's what made Tom Brady so great. If you remember, remember when uh, Chad Ochocinco went to the Patriots real quick for a cup of coffee and it didn't work out? <laughs> yeah. And it was because, and he's even said this since then, and he was like, he goes, I was never a precise route runner. I would just sort of like run down the field and get open. And then the quarterbacks in Cincinnati, they would just throw me the ball. And I got to New England and I started playing with Tom Brady. And he was like, no. Doesn't fly there. No, like you need to take three steps. Uh, if you're running a slant, you need to get to this hash mark, get to the 10-yard line, and then in. And you're in at exactly this angle because I know I've got this internal clock in my head. I'm going to take three steps back, and you need to be right on this mark because that's where I'm putting the ball. I'm not waiting. I'm not looking. I know where you're going to be, and I'm going to put the ball right where it needs to be. And if you're not there, you throw up the timing, you throw up the processing, you now have screwed up the entire play. You think you just messed up your route, you've you've messed up the entire play. And I think that's kind of what the Chiefs' offense became last year. And if that's what the offense becomes, you need guys who know exactly what they're doing. They need to know exactly where they're supposed to be. Their technique needs to be exact. And if for a rookie, a rookie wide receiver who came from, what was it, Western Michigan? Is that where Sky Moore went to college? You, you um, Yeah, it was. It was, it was a, a second-round pick from Western Michigan. This was not a 
finished product. This was a guy who all of a sudden was like, holy crap, I'm in the NFL playing for Andy Reid's <laughs> offense, one of the most complex offenses in the NFL. Patrick we Mahal, really just threw him in. An off, a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl, there's no room for error. So now you look back on it and you say, is it really that shocking that Sky was sort of wide-eyed and bushy-tailed when he got to the league? <laughs> of course not. So, like, I'm just, I'm just excited to see what he can do with a full off season. You know, if he can, if he's a grinder, if he's a worker, and he's going to keep his head in that playbook and and really work his ass off, I'm excited to see what this guy might do in year two. I'm with you. I think that's a great pick. You, I'm looking. Yeah, who, who do you like? I mean, you've got the obvious ones, but. Obvious I'm, isn't always bad. I'm I'm excited to see what Isaiah Pacheco is going to do after what we saw him building up towards in the season and really taking over as RB one, if you will. Um, he was a bulldozer, and that's what I've wanted in a running back. And yeah, he had huge plays. So I'm I'm anxious to see how he improves in year two. I think he could improve leaps and bounds. Um, but I mean, you can also throw in McDuffie and Carl Loftus and I mean, even Jalen Watson, there's a handful to pick from. I think we're sitting in a good spot with all these rookies that have a year under their belt going to a super bowl in their first season, winning a super bowl. Um, I think that's going to be also added motivation for them to want to step up even bigger and make a bigger impact on this team in their second season. Yeah, Pacheco's an interesting one because he Are you not on board with Pacheco? No, I'm all I'm all on board with Pacheco. It's I'm just I mean I mean he's interesting when you look at his rookie year. Like he had 830 rushing yards, but he didn't really become the starter until about week 9. It was later in the season. Well, they were already working him in more and then Clyde got injured and then it was mm-hmm. officially okay. It's Pacheco and McKinnon, it almost simplified things more when Clyde got injured because it was like, we got two guys and they both do different things. So let's just have this guy do this thing. Let's have this other guy in on third downs. And it really, it's, it's, it, it made everything make more sense. I mean, he had 830 yards, Kayla. But in the first half of the season, I mean, look at this. You know, week two, he had two carries for six yards. Week three, he had three carries for nine yards. Week five, one carry for zero yards. Two carries for nine yards. Oh my gosh. Five carries for five yards. And what did he finish with? Eight hundred and thirty. So wow. if you, I mean, if Pacheco is, let's just say, he is the exact same guy he was the second half of the season, but he does that for the full season. So let's just let's just say he doesn't get any better, right? Let's say he doesn't get any. He doesn't get. He doesn't improve. He's just the same dude he was as a rookie. But he does what he did the second half of the year for a full season. Oh. He's like an 1,100, 1,200 yard rusher. I'll take that. And he's probably finishing with about eight touchdowns. You know what that's called, Kayla? That's called a Pro Bowl running back. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what it is. That's what it is in an offense that likes to throw the ball more than any other. Like, it's not far fetched at all to imagine this guy all of a sudden becoming just a really, really productive running back in year two. Look out, Priest Holmes. 
I do like we did we did that whole exercise and nobody said the two for he had two first round picks, both of whom were great as rookies, and neither one of us said them. But they're the easy answers. Who? Carla Loftus and McDuffie. I threw those names out as also, but yeah, yeah but they weren't my first pick. An you can only have one answer. And oh, okay. That was yours. <laughs> that was Fine. Mine. That's true. Maybe because it's an offensive team. Yeah. We're offensive happy. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. And they, they did very well in their first season. So obviously they're going to do better their second. Nick, there was some news that broke this week that Patrick Mahomes doesn't seem too thrilled about. Um, and some Chiefs fans aren't excited about the league's Thursday night football changes. Now we know that they have officially decided that a team can do be featured on Thursday night football more than once now, which players don't seem too thrilled about. No, it's like anything though. If, if my boss tells me I have to log my expense reports differently or <laughs> I have to, you know, if there's a new process for me requesting vacation days that takes five minutes longer than the old one, I'm going to complain about it to the guy working next to me. I'm going to say, why can't we just do it the way we've always done it? There was nothing wrong with the old system. I liked it that way. I mean, last year at work, Kayla, we switched from Outlook to Gmail. It was a big deal. Wait, it a- it's way better to go to Outlook to Gmail than Gmail to Outlook. Okay. Don't get me started you know on what? Outlook. It's a okay, nightmare. See, I've already opened a can of worms and I, and I regret <laughs> it. But you, you, you get what I'm saying. Like Anytime you change anything like that, there's going to be a lot of complaints. So here's the thing with Thursday night football. We all know it kind of stinks, but also millions and millions of people watch. It makes a lot of money. The NFL wants to own a piece of as many different days of the week as they possibly can. So if they have a chance to, and this here's who this really affects is the good teams. Who do the, who does the NFL want to have on multiple times a year? The best teams, the team (laughs) who want to watch Uh, people want to watch. So the chiefs, the bills, the Bengals, the Eagles, like these are the teams that they want to feature more. So it makes sense that guys like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Reed come out and say, well, Patrick Mahomes just shared an emoji, but I think everybody kind of picked up what he was putting down there. Yep. You know, the players like, yeah. If if those players wouldn't have said anything, like if Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have sent that tweet out, I'm not sure I even would have like given this much thought. I wouldn't have really cared about this because it's not something that personally affects me, right? I live 20 minutes from the stadium. So if the game that I thought was going to be on Sunday is now moved to Thursday, all right, you know, I'm going to have to stay up a little bit later on Thursday and I'm going to be a little groggy on Friday morning when I wake up to go to work. But other than that, it doesn't really impact me. For the people, if we want to use the Chiefs as an example, that want to drive up from Springfield, Missouri, or Wichita, Kansas, all of a sudden, like that's a, a little bit bigger of a hassle, right? Maybe you made plans to get a hotel room in Kansas City to stay the night, and now you have to change all of these things because the game's on a Thursday instead of a, a Sunday. And I, I do feel for those people, the NFL doesn't. <laughs> like, the NFL doesn't. And they don't have to. And that's sort of the harsh reality of being a billion-dollar corporation is that every little thing that you do, when you're so big that you impact so many people, every decision that you make is going to have some negative fallout. 
and the players can talk about player safety, which is real. And it's really tough to argue against it. Like when a player comes out and says, Hey, this isn't right. You know, we need more rest and recovery player safety. Uh, like those, those things matter, but also you can't really argue against it. Like, what are you going to say? Right. No play. We don't need to worry about player safety, but this is inevitable. The NFL is going to keep growing. They're going to keep expanding. They're going to keep trying to push this thing as much as they possibly can. And unless the NFLPA draws a firm line in the sand and says, absolutely not, we are, you know, like a lockout type situation. We are not going to play unless these demands are met. This is too much. Then nothing is going to stop this from continuing to happen. And I know that's frustrating for the players and it's frustrating for a lot of fans, but the only thing that impacts, you know, businesses like this or if their bottom lines are affected, like, is the NFL going to lose money? Is there anything that could happen to take money out of their pocket? And as of right now, that's a resounding no. So where, wh what's their motivation to not do this? Several thoughts and questions. First of all, also JJ Watt, who has retired also was not happy about this. He listed player safety as a concern, as you just mentioned, and also fans, as you just mentioned, spending hard money to see their team who's playing and then have to change their plans. D is flexing already, is that, that already set in stone or is that still up in the air? Is this Does this mean like when the schedule comes out, we're going to see several teams have multiple Thursday night games on their schedule or is this just as it pertains to flexing? So... It, those are they're two separate things. So the owners already approved the change that will allow teams to play two Thursday night football games in a season. The flex schedule, that's just a proposal and that's been tabled. I think it was Tom Pelissero of NFL Network who said that the, the, the idea of flexing games to Thursday, that is going to be tabled until May. And that okay. is, so those are two separate things, right? The flexing is the one that's going to impact travel and if you had plans whereas the two playing the two games in one season that more so is going to affect the players like the quick turnarounds you played sunday and now all of a sudden you you usually have mondays off so you practice tuesdays and wednesdays and then play on thursdays yeah i think the really interesting thing is that for the longest time Everybody who's complained about Thursday night football, which is everybody who's watching, is like these games <laughs> suck is because right. matchups are terrible. But the truth is, Kayla, there have been some really good matchups that end up stinking as well. And I think that is probably a testament to what the players are saying here, which is that these games are brutal. They're violent. They're they're really taxing on these players' bodies. And to expect them to play on a Sunday and then turn around four days later and be anywhere close to 100% physically, it's just not realistic. So it doesn't matter if you put the Chiefs and the Bengals on Thursday night football, you're not getting the same quality of product as you would if you put that exact same game at that exact same time on a Sunday. That's just the reality. Even if you're someone who says, okay, the players, they complain about everything. Uh, they're fine. They're compensated very well for their time. Like they'll be okay. They'll get over it. Even if that's your stance, 
there you can't you can't deny the fact that even if they tough it out and don't complain and are good soldiers and get out there and play on Thursday, they're not as ready to play as they would be on Sunday. And so you got to ask yourself as a fan, as a consumer, like, which would you rather have? Do you want more football all the time? Like, do you want to make sure you have football on Thursday nights? Because eventually this might get to the point where there's more games on Saturdays. There's more games on, they may start playing games on Fridays. Like 10 years from now, would that shock you? Would you rather have that? Or would you rather just say, you know what? I'm good with Sundays. If you can just ensure me that that product's going to stay the same and I'm going to get good quality competitive games and these players are going to be healthy and fresh or at least fresher than they would be on Thursdays. I'd rather do that. The NFL though, they're not really in the business of, they're not really your in the feelings. business of your feelings or like what you want. They're in the business of making money. And if they, signs. if they can make more money by spreading these games out, then that's what they're going to do. Unfortunately. I am definitely team player here, but to your point, I didn't look at it through that lens until Patrick Mahomes tweeted something and JJ Watt tweeted something because I'm not a player. So that's not something I'm thinking about. Um, that's why that's exactly why these players are doing it because no one's ever going to Roger Goodell's not ever going to tweet something out and then it gets 10,000 likes because Roger Goodell doesn't have a following. Roger Goodell doesn't sell shoes and have highlight tape. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick Mahomes has, like you, like there's there's millions of you, Kayla, where no, I'm just you're one of a kind, but there's millions of people <laughs> like you. you that are gonna say, like, whatever he says, I'm with that. Like if Patrick Mahomes says he doesn't want to play Thursdays, then I don't want them to play Thursdays either. Well, and look at what happened to us this season when he gets that high ankle sprain. We were like, thank goodness our game was on a Saturday. This gives us an extra day for him to rest. Like yeah. those extra days were so important all through the postseason for him to rest, to heal, to rehab, to get ready to go for the next game. Like, so that's a part I don't like either because you never know what's going to happen injury-wise in the season. Yeah, and then what if I told you, and this is uh, this is a rhetorical question, but like, what if I told you I could put data behind it? Because the players are talking about health and safety and we don't really know the numbers. Yes, a lot of, a lot of data would suggest that the less recovery time you have, the more likely you are to aggravate injuries. But if I could put an actual percentage to it, if I said, hey, Mahomes kind of tweaked his ankle, he's fine. He, he'll, be, he'll be good by Sunday. But if they play on Thursday, there's uh, it's 25% more likely that he could suffer a more serious injury. Your answer would be pretty resounding pretty quick, wouldn't it? Uh, yep. No more Thursdays then. Prob's not. Yeah, exactly. Here. So... And that's the way the players are thinking. They're like, I need as much recovery time as possible. I'm still hurting on Sundays, by the way. Like, yeah, I, I don't know what it's week- like to get my body rocked for three hours straight each week. Like, that can't be fun. Like, rest is definitely important there. And by the way, like these guys, you think Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones, you think they're not getting treatment all week already? Exactly. Like, they get Mondays off. They're probably getting treatment on their own. Like, I've talked to, I've talked to people, I've talked to like trainers who have said, like, there are guys on the team who will come in and get, like, sports massages three, four times a week outside of the facility. So they're getting this world-class treatment every single day. And then in their spare time, they're like, I need more. I need more treatment. My shoulder's bugging me. My back's bugging me. My knee's but Like, it is nonstop. So the idea that they can expedite this process, it's like, no, they're just doing that to get from Sunday to Sunday. And now you're like, hey, why don't you do another one of these little games 
on a Thursday night. I get I I can I can kind of see why they don't love the idea of doing more of that. They're already doing it once a week a year and they hate it. I I understand why they don't want to do it a second time. Hmm. Interesting indeed. Yeah. Don't love it for the players. Nick, before we go today, I feel like we have to address the um masked fugitive on the loose. <laughs> oh, our what do we know about Chief Saholic? Where where is he? And when is this going to be a 30 for 30 or a documentary on Netflix? I cannot wait. So I've actually given this a lot of thought. Uh yep. I'll answer I'll answer your questions one at a time. Okay. First off, I don't know where Chief Saholic is. We know that uh 8 a.m. on I believe it was Tuesday morning, he cut off the ankle bracelet and he is now officially on the run. The authorities are after him. He skipped, I think it was what, like a million dollar bond. So, um, uh, yes. So, you know, if I, if he were smart, I have a lot of thoughts. If he were smart, he would have taken the ankle bracelet, by the way, and like, you know, secured it to a wild animal. True. And they just have, to, and you know, then they'd be chasing this fox through the jungle or, or through the forest or whatever. But you know what? Great point. Uh, he, he ditched it, I believe, in a hotel room. You know, he could be anywhere by I think now. I saw they, I read something that they found it behind, um, where was it? It was behind a store. Huh. In Tulsa. An academy. <laughs> Maybe he was getting a new, like Isaiah Pacheco jersey or something. <laughs> uh, so, you a know. A wooded area near an academy outdoor store in Southern Tulsa. Okay. Okay. So. In, in, when's the 30 for 30 coming? I think he needs to, he needs to make it on the run. Cause I don't even want this to be a 30 for 30. I want this to be like a Netflix true crime docu-series. Like, yeah, they'll get more eyes that way. Yeah. So I think he needs to make it on the run for at least six months. I mean, I hate to say it. He's got to, because this has really got to become a mystery. If he gets caught by Friday, that's a pretty short documentary. Guy cuts off his ankle monitor. And they found him two days later, <laughs> 60 miles down the road. It's like, okay, well, uh, mystery solved. <laughs> Wait, but wasn't there a big bust in KC this week that people thought it might've been him? That was, yeah, that was on Wednesday morning. Well, there was a, there was a, a news report that just said that uh, there was like a police standoff at a motel with a guy attempting to evade conviction or something mm -hmm. but i don't think it ended up being him shoot so better for us wait a minute so yeah because here's the thing and i and i don't want and this guy's a criminal and he robbed a bank and that's sure. bad yes but also there's just part of me that wants to see this saga continue kayla i'm i hope that doesn't make me a bad person but <laughs> uh i just i want i want to see I want to see this continue because this story has just been so darn juicy. How is this even real? It's just like, it's, it's not funny, but it's hilarious at the same time. It's cause it's not like he's, he's not violent, right? He hasn't, I mean, no. I know robbing a bank is frowned upon, but did he have well, you know, it's more... like threatening people. Like if he's nonviolent, well, I would say let's keep it going. Cause this is quite interesting. I would say robbing a bank is more than, just frowned upon it's it's pretty <laughs> yes, illegal breaking the it's, law it's pretty illegal as is cutting off your ankle monitor but i'm with you like he's not like beating people up he's not assaulting people 
Um, it was probably pretty traumatizing towards to the person he robbed the bank. Absolutely. You know, I think the big thing that makes this story is the fact that he wears a freaking wolf costume to every Chiefs game. Like, if this were just a normal Chiefs fan who just wore the Chiefs jersey and a Chiefs ball cap, I don't think that we would be talking about this. The fact that he wears a wolf costume to every single Chiefs event is why this story is so because there's just layers. You know, that's the that's what makes every great story. The details, the layers, you got to sift through everything to figure out, you know, what are we really trying to find out here? The first time anybody even figured out what this guy looked like despite the fact that he had a huge following on Twitter was when his mugshot was posted. Xavier. Like it's 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 the story that it just keeps on giving and selfishly as a consumer, I, I want it. I want it to keep going, but I would imagine some, uh, there's, there's some pretty smart filmmakers out there. I'd imagine they're keeping their eyes on this one to see what happens next. <laughs> Stay tuned to it's always game day in Kansas city for updates on chiefs. We will be following this story closely. Damn quite right. Interesting. Well, Nick, that's going to do it for us today. That is Nick Schwartz. I'm Kayla Canaram. This is It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And as always, send us questions, comments, concerns, gamedaykc at gmail.com. That's the right address. Yes, Nick? Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. We'd love to hear from you. And on that note, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one, everyone.